0: Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside Curling. It's post-Briar. Uh, I, you know, when I say Briar, uh, Kevin, that's where you and I met. Uh, Warren, that's where you and I met. And uh, I was perhaps going to get fired from my first job in the Briar Patch. Oh, my God. Oh, the stuff I used to do and the fun we had. Oh, man, a wrap-up of Briar Week. We got lots to talk about. Stick around, everybody. Last Rock. Eighth end, up by two.
1: I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. it's clean. Oh, don't oh. kill it, then. Don't
2: kill
3: it. Don't kill it. Line's really good.
2: Line's in. Right on the button, guys. Right Last here, stone for Kevin Martin. They want it on the button. The sweepers are watching it. Fans are on their feet. Kevin Martin goes out as a champion. Cuts him to one. He will win his final grand slam, taking the players' championship. Talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career. All he had to do was cut him down. Kevin Martin can celebrate. He is a
1: champion.
0: So off we go. Uh, What a week it was. What a a week to celebrate uh, curling with the briar wrapping up. And uh, boy, was it unique. The Paralympics ended in Beijing last Saturday. Let's find out the final results. Also, with what's going on in uh, Russia, the World Curling Federation has announced uh, teams that will replace Russia at the women's and men's. The women's starts this weekend. Uh, We're going to take a look at who might be the favorites and one of the greatest teams uh, in women's curling is breaking up. They announced it in the last couple of days that they are going to disband uh, this squad. Hot rock topics, of course. Uh, you saw the Briar uh, this week. Brad Gushu won it with only three players. So we're going to talk about the fifth man and the alternate and uh, what's going to happen with that going forward. No one saw that coming at all. Of course, our mailbag segment. And in the house, we've got Mark Nichols, the guy who had to sit out and... Uh, might be worried about if he's going to be invited back (laughs) to the team. Uh, And Kevin, you got a story for us. So all that and a bunch more uh, coming up right now. We want to thank uh, all our sponsors uh, who've been so helpful in this and supporting curling, Goldline Curling, Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Nestle Boost, and Meridian Manufacturing. If you want to get a hold of us, you can do it at insidecurling at gmail.com. So drop us an email. It would be great to hear from you. What's happening around the curling world? Let's start there. Brought to you by Sports Interaction, providing competitive odds on all sports. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds maker. Uh, you got to be 19 years old and over to play. Let's get right to this, um, Kevin. The Briar ended on Sunday in Lethbridge uh, with, predictably, uh, two of the greatest teams to meet in Gushu and Kui. It went to extra ends. It was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was high drama. Uh, and really a great week uh, to celebrate curling. Um, Brad Gushue won it, Kev uh, with three players. Um, I've, you've never seen this in your life. Give us your take on the whole week in Lethbridge.
3: Yeah, well, obviously congratulations to to Brad and Mark, who wasn't uh, there at the end unfortunately, is in the hotel room and, and Brett and Jeff, but great, great win. Um, this is the first Briar I haven't been at in a long, long time. Uh, I know Karik was in it, but sometimes you have to go watch uh, your other kids do their stuff. So we were down South watching our youngest play softball. So we weren't actually there, but I was keeping in touch with Karik really well. And one thing that concerns me, I'm a little worried about the depth in men's curling. I know we hear it all the time, how, how solid we are, but. You know, you, you mentioned at the start, Gushu Kui final, that's fantastic. Well, yes it is. In 2016, Kui played Gushu, Kui won. 2017, Gushu played Kui, Gushu won. 2018, Gushu played Botcher, Gushu won. 2019, Kui plays Botcher, Kui won. 2020, Gushu plays Botcher, 7-3. Do you see a rhythm here? 2021, Botcher plays Kui. 2022, Gushu plays Kui. Since 2016, there's only been three teams in the Briar final, either Cooey or Gushu or Botcher. That concerns me because two of the three are getting old and we just haven't seen anybody else break through to that degree at at the Briar level. So uh, the Briar itself this year, fantastic. I think it was really good having a three-man team. You know, it looks good on Gushu. I don't think, it, I'm not sure it looks good on Canadian curling that a three-person team won it. Um, how could that happen? I, I don't know if the three people can go out and beat Bruce Mowat or Nicholas Adine. So I, I'm worried about that. Of course, Brad Gushu and I are really close friends, so I'm very happy for them, but very worried for us as a group of curlers, uh, uh, in my opinion. That, that's, that scares the heck out of me.
0: The Islanders, Kevin, the New York Islanders won a bunch of years in a row. No one worried about parody and
3: uh well yeah but they didn't play everybody same teams in the final every year like yes there could be a dynasty but wait a minute we have we've got three dynasties all at the same time that's that's interesting
2: well i think it's uh it's clear those are probably the three best teams in canada but but i agree with kevin we we don't really have a system that uh, is allowing the younger talent to come up through the ranks, and they're having to usually stick around a long time. Somebody like Dunstan, he may break through. He's got the ability. Flash might break through, but uh, it's going to take them some time probably to get by these other guys. And then what about the ones behind them? So what I refer to, it's a by-chance system that we're into right now. There isn't much of a, a game plan in place that you can t- say, there's, uh, there's the guys on top right now. Here's the ones coming, and oh, by the way, Here's the ones coming behind them, and and I think again there was such a, a a split in the in the parody in this event, probably worse than it's ever been. There was nine teams on one side of it, and probably nine teams on the other side of it, and there was really not much of a bridge in between there. So we've talked about this so much, and it's going to be a topic I'm sure of a lot of discussion in the weeks ahead. But uh, it is a cons- it is a problem. But I want to take a look at this three person team for a second. It's exactly. What they did. I'm looking at the percentages for the three games they played with just the three guys. When they beat Flash, Saskatchewan, they were 83%. When they beat Botcher, they were 95% as a team. And against Cooey, they were 87% as a team. Outstanding play, I think, of Golant and Walker. I can't believe how well these two guys adapted to what they had to do. Particularly Jeff Walker calling calling line, which he just hasn't done. Golant is a great player, and he's able to fit in anywhere. And I was I was so impressed with uh, what he was able to do uh, stepping into throwing third rocks. Maybe today, not a huge difference between second third, but there is. There, there are different kinds of shots. But I'm looking at in those final two games. He also probably got a little fortunate. The thirds he played against. In both cases, did not have their best games. When he played Butcher, Jensen only shot seventy three percent, whereas Gallant was ninety five. And this is at the third position Stones, not counting the uh, second position rock that he threw. And then against uh, Neufeld, had a really weak game, sixty nine percent, while Gallant was eighty two percent. So there was the big difference there that he outplayed the thirds on the on the opposition in those last two games considerably. So it was a, a real. Uh, a real classic win, I believe, and uh, we'll have to ask the question with regard to three-person teams. We're going to talk about this a bit more further, but uh, what, uh, what happens going forward with regard to these alternate players and three people playing rather than four is going to be a topic of a lot of discussion, I'm sure.
0: Okay, Warren, let's throw it to you. You've got a couple things you're going to update us on. First, the Paralympics, uh, and then the World uh, Curling Federation announcement about what they're going to do about Russia. Let's go with the Paralympics first.
2: right, so the Paralympics ended last Saturday in Beijing. China defeated Sweden eight to three in the gold medal game. Last Saturday, it was a rematch of the World Wheelchair Championship that was held last November in the same venue. And it was the second consecutive Olympic gold medal for China, led by Skip Wong-Haito. As we reported previously, Canada took the bronze medal with a victory over Slovakia. So congratulations to all the medal winners at the Paralympic Games
0: uh warren the wcf uh, has made an announcement that we, we have kind of limited information but what's the latest update Warren?
2: on the women's side czech republic is the country that's going to replace russia and in las vegas on the men's side it will be finland will be stepping up to fill that gap so two new teams to the to the world events
0: kevin warren it's time for me to uh beat you guys at uh, picks for the women's worlds kevin let's go with you first who, who do you think is going to win
3: well, it's pretty exciting, actually. I'm I'm excited to to get to Prince George this week and uh, Canada, Kerry Anderson. It has to be one of the favorites, uh, but some of the countries are a little different. In Japan, uh, Akua Kitazawa is actually um, going out of Japan. So that's a new team, that's kind of exciting. Scotland sending Rebecca Morrison a, a new team. So that's really interesting to me. USA sending a new team and Corey Christensen. So as far as favorites go, you got to pick Canada and you got to go with Anna Hasselborg. Uh, Alina Petz with Terenzoni, of course, but exciting Jimmy out of Italy. Stefania Constantini is coming as a skip. Nice. So I'm really excited about that. South Korea, Unjun Kim, you know, so that's kind of my final four, I think would be Canada, South Korea, Sweden, Switzerland. And you know what? Carrie Anderson, she's going to want this so bad. I really think Carrie could win this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Canada, Carrie Anderson to win this world championship.
0: Uh, Warren, anyone g- might surprise us.
2: I think possibly Corey Christensen out of the United States. Uh, Corey's a very good player. She has a good team. I think that they have been knocking on the door for a while, and they have the ability to certainly step up and, I think, be in that uh, winner's circle if uh, things fall in line for them. So I would agree with Kevin, uh, Terrazoni, Hasselberg, and I think Einerson. Those would be the other teams I would look at at this point in time as probably being in the Final Four. But I would think Carrie Einerson. Should have a good shot here and along with Annal Hasselberg, probably the, the, the two front runners in my opinion.
0: Okay, before we leave, what's happening around the curling world uh, surprisingly a couple days ago, Jennifer Jones' team, Kevin, is splitting up. What do you think?
3: From a curling fan point of view, it's really sad. One of the best teams to ever step on the ice on the women's side, but from a curler standpoint, I understand you can't play together forever. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, Don McEwen stepping away from the game for now, at least if not retiring and uh, and Jennifer, that's the big question. Like Caitlin Law is fantastic, maybe wants to skip on her own because she's won everything at third. So we'll see what happens there. Jocelyn Peterman you know, in Calgary, you know, and they're her and Brett settling down. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. But Jennifer Jones, that's interesting. Is that a retirement? Is that a new team? Is she going into the broadcast booth? Is she going to get into teaching and a coaching? I, I think she'd be great at, at all those things, and she and she plays at the, at the top level still. I do not know what to expect out of Jennifer, but she's won everything. So, you know, I I, I kind of think I'm leaning towards you know she'll she'll hang up the shoes, but we'll have to wait and see because you never know. She's definitely good enough still to play, but you know, do you have the drive still? to rebuild a team and, and, and build another, you know, dynasty back up again. We'll see.
0: Uh, that is what's happening around the curling world brought to you by sports interaction. Thanks a lot. Uh, let's move along to hot rock topics, which we do each and every week brought to you by coyote tractor proud partner of team Brad Jacobs and the grand slam of curling coyote. We dig dirt, uh, Kev, the whole talk this week, um, which was, unbelievable uh unprecedented brad gushu's team won with only three guys um we need to talk about what's going to happen going forward now with the alternate player uh kev what'd you think of all that
3: yeah it wasn't that fantastic to see and and uh i guess in in this case with how with brad gushu's team you've got brad uh, you know such a strong player and plays at a high percentage but you've got brett Gallant in this case because mark nichols um came down with covid but he's such a good sweeper plays mix uh, mixed doubles all the time so he's used to sweeping by himself jeff walker a past really good skip who can definitely hold the broom properly so it kind of made sense in that situation to be able to to do it that way but what happens with, with fifth going forward with the success of Gushu? It has to have effect, no question. With uh, Jeff Walker being the import, I don't think it made sense for Brad Gushu to pick up a fifth out of Newfoundland because there wouldn't be nobody to pick from who's been in this position. And you know that Glaunt's going to be close to 90%. Is there a fifth in Newfoundland who you can bring in that's going to shoot 90 at the Briar final level? Probably not. So I think they made a smart call as a team, but what happens with the whole fifth thing? Do you just take a chance going forward, just play with four? And if somebody gets sick or gets hurt, well, we're just gonna go with three. And it's funny, you know, we had Jennifer Jones on the show not too long ago talking about the game's gonna change to a five person permanent team. And here we are just a few weeks later going, well, that's the end of the fifth person. Here we go, and the fourth? it's now a 4 person. <laughs> it's funny how it goes.
0: Uh, Warren, what's your take on all of this?
2: Oh, this is a big can of worms. And this goes back to the 80s. I was a driving force behind introducing alternate players to the briar. And for many reasons, I felt it was something that we had to have because, yes, with uh, one player going down, you can play with three. What if a second player goes down? What happens then? And and that can very much happen. I can look at two events uh, in in the last fifteen years, ten years. It was the Red Deer Scotties and the Montreal Scotties, where a bug went through the entire event, and in a couple of cases, they had difficulty fielding a team with an alternate in place to put out three people, never mind four. So this becomes a big issue with these events where there's all kinds of television coverage involved. There's thousands of people in the stands. There's a building rented that's costed you a huge amount of money. I don't think it's something that can be risked. Let's suppose that that game last Sunday that in the first end, Brent Gallant pulls a thigh muscle and he can't play any longer. And so they would have had to default the game in the second end. We now have a television network involved. We've got a building full of people. How do we handle all that? Just from that point of view alone with these big events, teams need to have an alternate player. I suppose there can be an option as to whether they use that player or not, but uh, they need that backup position there, in in my opinion. The other thing I think that's going to raise its head, and I thought it would have before now, is maybe some of these teams are going to start to be like Jennifer Jones, where they're actually going to have five players on an ongoing basis. That creates all sorts of complications from a – a rankings point of view as to how the points distributed. It also comes into into the mix of money division. How do you divide the money? Everything going to be five ways versus four, but I think it's something that some of the teams that Jennifer, Jennifer Jones has done are going to start to look at. And to the extent that she was along with Jerry Gertz making a pitch to the World Curling Federation in 2020 to look at a five player team being put into the points allocation process. And some of the points that they made was better to manage the health of all players on the team. It was possible for them to schedule more events that they could play in because you could now rotate people. Somebody could take a week off or two weeks off, or if they became ill during the year with any kind of an injury or, or things of that nature. So it would offer a whole new dynamic and uh, would allow a team to possibly build for more exposure and more exposure for the sport as well. So some of the arguments that she was putting forward to the WCF. So I think it's going to be a topic of discussion going forward. Um, I think it's an important one. And with everything else, we're going to have many opinions on it as we kind of try to move the sport from where it used to be into maybe where it needs to go.
0: All right, let's get to it. Uh, The mailbag brought to you by Nestle Boost. Boost! Up your nutrition game with Boost, convenient meal replacement drinks with a taste you're guaranteed to love. Kev, we want your response from Bill Baker who writes us. I've heard lots of dialogue recently about changing residency rules and concessions to elite teams to try and restore Canada's dominance. One thing there's been little comment on is skills development. I see two skill areas our teams could work on, release and brushing. The Maui team has adopted the same release across their lineup and can also adapt to situations with softer or more positive releases. Only a few of our teams seem to do this. The Maui team also seem to have realized they can cause more curl by heating the ice on the side of the running path opposite from the curl. Current science has shown few sweepers can actually scratch the ice to carve it with the approved head fabric. Shouldn't we be leaders in driving better skills? As Lee Trevino has said, practice makes permanent, not perfect. We need to change to improve, says Bill. Kev, what do you think of Bill?
3: Yeah, well, I think he's probably right. And, you know, we've been barking about a training camp situation for quite a few months on, the, on Inside Curling here, trying to get the curlers together for big training camps and improve our group as a whole so i agree with bill in that regard Um, that's something that team mallet they've been on our show as well talking about they want their whole team releasing the rock exactly the same that's something that our team worked on with ton with jules ochar um and that's releasing the rock the same both turns it doesn't matter if you're a lefty or a righty. We want to track each other the same, have the same tangents, and that all makes sense to me. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure I agree totally with Bill as far as how his theory of why rocks curl, why they don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure Bill is right on that. But to get our teams kind of like a Brett Gallant, Brad Tyson, Carrick. There's there's some really good sweepers in our game in Canada. But I think Bill's right again. Let's have more really good sweepers. Let's get together as a group and and train and learn from the best like a Brett Gallant and and have that filter down to our young people. But how's a 20 year old training in uh, Vancouver supposed to learn the technique of a Brett Gallant if they never play each other and they never see each other where the young person might never have even met Brett Gallant. But let's get into a training situation and let's have Brett do some teaching on the ice with these young people. You know, understanding that, you know, Brett, Being the top guy, does he want to let out to the other Canadians, you know, his secret to success? Well, maybe with the young people so that we have stronger kids coming up. So, um, yes, I think Bill's right. For the most part, we need to work hard on on the technical side of the game, the sweeping side of the game, because obviously when it comes down to Warren brought up the point about the percentage at the Briar the highest percentage wins. It's not often where you shoot 70, the other team shoots 90 and the 70% wins. That's not the way it works. It's about highest percentage and technical uh, work is a big part of that.
0: Uh, If we read your email and Bill, you are the uh, recipient of this. We're going to give you an electronic copy of Warren's book called Sticks and Stones, which is the story of how uh, the sport got into the Olympics. So way to go, Bill. Uh, So email us, insidecurling at gmail.com, and you can win a copy of that as well. Thanks a lot to Nestle Boost for the mailbag segment. Let's take a little break. When we come back, it's time for In the House with our guest, Mark Nichols. All right, time for our guest in the house is brought to you by Goldline. Goldline curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world, plus there are retail stores in Calgary, London, Scarborough, Mississauga, and they have two stores in Ottawa. Goldline can be found at every Grand Slam of curling event and online anytime at goldlinecurling.com. If I gave you uh, his curling stats, you would know who it is right away. But what if I told you this and see if you could figure out who it is. He's got a bachelor degree in kinesiology. Uh, he's received an honorary doctorate of laws. Uh, he's got a certificate in MAC nutrition. Is uh, a co-owner uh, of a business, Orange Theory. Married his longtime girlfriend, got a couple of kids. Uh, and his mother competed in the Scotties in 1992. You would guess that it's Mark Nichols. How are you doing, Mark? <laughs> of course, I, I kid about all this, uh, but it's great to have you on. Congratulations on uh, this totally unprecedented thing that happened. Of course, you curl with Gushu, multi-time Briar champion, uh, Olympics and Worlds. But in your hotel room on day five, as everyone knows by now, you had COVID and couldn't curl uh, with your team, and they went on to win the Briar. Oh, my God, Mark, so much happening for you. <laughs> Tell us, where are you right now? What's What's been going on?
1: Well, you said it there, Jim. I'm still in my hotel room. These these walls still look the same. It's been It's been a crazy crazy briar um i just get to sit here in my hotel room with my thoughts it's a little weird
0: uh we were talking a little bit off air here before and i said your your heart just must have dropped when you started feeling bad and walk us through that right up until you got the positive test
1: yeah um it was thursday night we had just finished our game against british columbia and we went back to the hotel kind of sitting around the room having a chat debriefing having some food and I was starting to feel kind of, you know, a sore throat, you know, a little bit of a head cold is what, you know, it felt like. And uh, Brad looked at me, and said, you okay? And I was, no, nah, I'm not sure. And went to bed that night. And when I woke up Friday morning, I, I was pretty sick. And I texted Brad right away. Uh, I said, I'm not well. Um, we decided that we were going to kind of, we had basically the whole day off until we played that night. And uh, we held off to see if my symptoms would, subside or go away and they didn't they just got worse so I got tested in the afternoon and I knew what the result was going to be it was just and you see the test result and yeah my heart sunk and I knew I was done for the the whole thing and um yeah it sucked it was the worst feeling in the world
0: and then of course you had to sit there and and watch your team uh, work their way through the briar and the round robin and uh in the end uh you guys end up winning the bride with only three guys. You, you didn't have an alternate that you didn't use. And then I thought, when they raise the trophy, Nichols is going to be saying to himself, oh, my God, I'll never get invited back to that team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was a lot of jokes about me getting a pink slip after that uh, there, Jim. It was, uh, it was so hard watching, obviously, you know, I'm so used to being on the ice and, and supporting the team that way, making shots and contributing to the team. And, you know, you're sitting in a hotel room, basically feel helpless. So, yeah, it was it was really hard to, you know, see them play. Uh, but obviously what they pulled off and the way they did it and just the way that team worked uh, with three guys, they everyone stepped up in kind of their own little way and did what they had to do to kind of keep going. It was just unreal to watch and – You know, you saw three of the best curlers and teammates in the world, you know, doing their thing. And they just got on a roll. And it just, as they kept playing, it just felt like it was kind of destiny that they were going to win this thing.
0: When the shoe dropped, Mark, about you having COVID, talk us through the strategy that you guys came up with to to play with three guys. Were there, did you look at four or five different options? Who was going to, you know, lead? Who was going to go say who was going to sweep? Who was going to throw what rocks out was going to work? Uh, Tell us about that.
1: You know what, Jim? They kind of did that all on their own because I was in my room. You know, there was a couple of FaceTime calls and stuff like that. But um, there was discussion early that they might switch each game, like who would hold the broom and who would sweep, depending on who was tired. But I guess after that first game, they decided to just roll with Jeff in the head and, and Brett sweep. You know, Brett, really, at the end of the day, he's sweeping one less rock um, in terms of – him throwing three and and sweeping five but you know on draws Brett and Jeff were getting up and sweeping you know so it looked like there was two guys there and then when Brad threw if Brad was throwing a draw Jeff would come out and help Brett if needed so the conversations they had was I guess it's just working let's just keep doing what we're doing.
3: Congratulations. I don't even know what to say first. Congratulations <laughs> on the huge yeah. win. Sorry that you had to be in the in the room for the whole darn thing. But I want to go a little deeper into three versus four. I had a really good talk, Mark, with uh, with Wayne Madaw. Yeah. And I, I forget if it was an injury or, or or got sick in in around 1997. Wayne Madaw's team played a series of events with only three players, and they won most of them. And back then. It was un it was well it was unheard of this time too because people forgot about nineteen ninety seven but we all were taken like holy cow how can you keep winning all the time you only got three players and anyway so I had a good <laughs> Wayne and I were getting back and forth about that and uh, it was it was kind of a phenomenon anyway nobody's really done it since much and now especially with a sweeper like Brett or or and there's other sweepers in the game that are so powerful and basically it's a one man sweeping game. This sort of opens up a, a bit of a question, doesn't it, Mark? And and, and not, not saying to Brad anything about a pink slip. Let's leave that aside. <laughs> but it seems to me that it worked very well. Um, your thoughts on that? Because it just right away, I thought back to Wayne Madaw in 97 and, and how well they did. And then all of a sudden, we hadn't seen it in all these years. And, and here you are, your team doing so well because of the one person sweeping and mixed doubles. Does that have any, do you think that has any bearing on why Brett was able to sweep on his own so well and how it didn't really affect the calling of the game for you guys?
1: Yeah. I I think you touched on a lot of great things there, Kevin. I, you know, when you lose a guy and you have, you know, the biggest adjustment would have been Jeff in terms of throwing some different shots. You know, as a lead, you're probably throwing the same shots over and over again, lobbing guards and drawing around. So his change in throwing different types of shots was certainly different. Brett threw very similar shots. Um, if you got three guys that are playing really well, then I see the benefit of it. And all three were playing well. If, say, you got a player like let's, let's just say Brett was struggling and not playing well now you got a guy that's struggling that's throwing an extra rock you know you might get a few more misses than you typically would if you you know if you only throwing two rocks but Brett and Jeff were playing so well that having them throw an extra rock and then you get into a bit of a groove and you know you're, you're a little more confident you feel like you can make more shots and then you, you start doing that and Brad is just kind of you know, calling his game, he probably adjusted his strategy a little bit to make sure he kept it open or played to Brett and Jeff's strengths a little bit more. But uh, they managed it really well. I think Brad, you know, manages the game better than anyone out there, and he certainly adjusted his strategy accordingly, and it worked.
3: Um, you guys, of all the teams, having to go down this and getting COVID shocked the heck out of me. And the reason being is that you guys are so careful <laughs> Yeah, I know. of all the teams, you know, I've got some messages from people saying, well, they were probably in the patch. They're probably doing this. They're probably in big crowds. I'm going, well, no, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. That's not the way that no. team goose runs things. So I would love to hear to have you put that kind of to, to bed.
1: I have no idea who or where I got it from because I had my mask on the entire time. You know with the exception of being in my hotel room and curling like we wore it in the dressing room changing we wore it out to the ice the only interaction we had without the mask on was you know when we're competing you know you're you're in a building of a few thousand fans um many not wearing masks and then you're you're playing with competitors who you know some of them they did enjoy the patch they did socialize they did those did those things and i'm not saying that that's wrong because you know, that's what everyone was doing. There's, there's no rules against it. You know, whether there was a player that was out there that was maybe just a little bit sick and didn't say anything, or like I said, there's lots of fans in there and there's lots of air circulating. So, you know, it could have been through, through the building as well, but we are, we are very careful. We didn't go to the patch. We didn't go to a single restaurant. We, it's basically hotel, hotel and rink and, we stuck to ourselves. Like there was five of us uh, and I was the one that, that, that got it. I can't believe that, you know, well, it's so weird how this happened. And honestly it was, I still can't, I, I can't describe it. I don't know where I got it. I don't know how we did everything in our power to not get it before the Olympics, isolating for three weeks in British Columbia, away from our friends and family. You know, you're wearing N95s and face shields and goggles wherever you go and, And now you get it in the weekend of the Briar final, like it's just so, so weird.
2: Let's talk about uh, the alternate player situation. And I know that's changed a bit in the last few years. There was a point in time when Curling Canada paid for the fifth player, the alternate player, and they were their part of the team. And I think they changed some things with, with funding and the alternate player became an option. So what did your discussion look like going into the Briar with regard to this situation? You didn't take an alternate. Did you have a game plan? Did you know exactly what you're going to do if you lost a player? And I guess the other question would be, did you ever consider the possibility of what would happen if you lost two players?
1: Yeah. So after the Olympics, um, we were so drained and, you know, we had to make a quick decision about the Briar. The discussion of the fifth player kind of got lost or put on the back burner and then not really discussed a a heck of a lot. You know, we do talk about it a fair bit. Like what happens if a guy goes down in these times, it's obviously different because usually you talk about injury more than anything. And now it's, you, you obviously have to include COVID. So the discussions that the team has typically had has been, well, if a guy goes down, do we bring in someone who is not used to the team not used to the team dynamics and we may be throwing them into a situation that they've never been in before. So does that really help our team win? And then you look at it, is it, is it actually better that we just play with our three guys who have been in the situation? We don't have to worry about anyone kind of deer in the headlight situation and you know, they deal with the added pressures and, Dynamics of having to go with three. So there's there's two sides of it, right? Like if you know, the, with the rules in the Briar, we would have had to take from someone from Newfoundland. Yeah. No offense to the the pool that we have, but imagine being a player that sits on the bench for eight games in a round robin, you might get in to throw a few ends every now and then, and then you throw them into the playoffs of the Briar, having never been in that situation. Like, do you think our team actually would have been better in that in that situation? I'm not too sure.
2: Um, so rumors were flying before you went into the briar that, uh, you were going to have difficulties next year because Brett's probably moving to Alberta, which again, which would now leave you with, uh, with, with, you would have to have two imports, which the current rules, uh, wouldn't allow. I don't, maybe you guys hadn't got to the point of talking about this, but uh, what were your plans going forward? And I guess the other question, do you think it's time that these residency rules need to be checked in the corner?
1: I love the briar because of the, you know the demographics of it, you know, Newfoundland against Ontario or then you, know, you could use the traditional matchups, you know, Alberta against Manitoba and stuff like that. But it's getting to the point now where the briars worth so much in terms of world championships points, qualifying for the the trials, all those things and you're you're limited to your talent pool in your province. Um, it makes it really tough to make you, your best team, you know, I, I struggle with that because I'd st- I still love the Briar, you know, Newfoundland against whoever and Ontario against whoever. And I, I believe that your casual curling fans tunes in for the province against the province, not necessarily all the time which team is representing the province. So, But we're getting to the point now where if the Briar is going to be worth so much, we might have to, to kind of go down that road.
2: So, with regard to your team, do you have any idea at this stage what your plans are moving forward? your team Canada now, which I guess gets you around the residency rules for a year doesn't it but uh
1: well, with the team Canada though like in in the past we've still had issues with you know bringing a fifth to the Briar who's not from Newfoundland like like even though we were team like when we won in St John's the next year, we wanted to keep everything the same and bring tom sallows as our fifth because that's kind of how we went to the worlds and you know we had a lot of difficulty even making that happen so i don't even know what the rules would be for next year now to return is the same if the residency rules don't
2: change that's a good question I, I think you can continue with that team but i don't know that's a really good question
1: our, our discussions obviously were based around us not winning the briar and and trying to go through playdowns again so we haven't had the discussion now, does this change anything? You know, obviously Brett's getting married and he's gonna be living elsewhere. Um, you know, I think if you know, the writing's kinda of on the wall with terms of where he's gonna live, um, we really haven't gone down the road of if we're gonna rediscuss or go down that rabbit hole of, you know, do we try to skirt the rules or anything like that to try to make sure it works?
3: Because of this discussion of residency rules, I think it is really hamstringing um, the depth of curling in Canada. And I wanted to, on the men's side, let's talk about the men's side here with, with you being here. Seven years in a row where there's a, it's either been a Kui, Gushu, or Botcher final. There's been no other team in the last seven Briars uh, that's been in the final and with brad you know i bug him about it all the time with his hip and his age he's getting old (laughs) And, and and cooey of course is getting getting old uh but you're not getting old but the other two are i'm really concerned about the depth and just the Whenever I bring this up, we get a million messages (laughs) off of various platforms that, no, it's all about grassroots. It's all about grassroots. But of course, when you look at it for real, we had EJ Harndon on the show the other day, as we started the show, Jimmy was, I forget it was 13 or 15 Briars he's been to. And I said, and he said, well, it's all about the grassroots. I said, EJ, you've been to fifth or whatever it is, 13, 14, 15 Briars. How's that about grassroots? You enter, you win. How does that help some kid who's 21 years old in Northern Ontario getting to cheer for the same team every briar? And, all, and now we got the same three teams in every final. I don't see this at all being anything to do with expansion of grassroots. It's absolutely choking out our grassroots. If anybody could show me in any way how this actually helps our young curlers, that'd be great. I just like to hear your thoughts, Mark. And, and I know you got to be careful about how you talk about this, but I, luckily, I don't, but um, I just see seven Briars in a row with the same three teams. What do you think,
1: Mark? So when Kevin Kevin Cooey went to his first Briar, when was that? It was 2010? 2010.
3: 2010, the Olympic year, yeah.
1: How many years before that did he have to you know, sit there and say the same thing? It was like, I'm never going to get to a Briar because of you and Randy, like beating his head against the wall trying to get there. And then he finally gets there, and he's one of the greatest players to ever – play in the briar now he gets to his first one and wins it so
3: he had won slounds by then though he was he was already a top player by then
1: but he's out playing and that's how you get better and you know you get a lot of young teams that will enter playdowns and not travel or not play as much as what kevin did you know dunstone like look at flash now he went on a, he played unbelievable that whole team did um from saskatchewan And because they're out playing and you don't like the briar is not necessarily you know going to make or break a team in terms of their development if they want to get better go out on tour and play and i know it's easier said than done in terms of sponsorship and money and time off and stuff but those are the things that the top teams and guys did before they're you know successful kevin cooey wasn't kevin cooey you know, when he was first starting out and he went out and he played events and got better by playing against you guys and losing and learning and stuff like that. I I feel like right now there's a lot of teams that just say, well, I'm not going to be that good. So I'm not going to try. And that's the the wrong attitude to have. You got to go out and you got to play and you got to lose and you got to go out and you got to lose again. Like you kicked the crap out of us for years and we just kept coming back for more until we finally figured out how to win.
3: But but Mark, couldn't there be a uh, couldn't there be a little bit better system here, like to get these young kids? Like you're talking about Kevin Cooey when he first started out in 2010. Kevin Cooey was, uh, if I'm not wrong, 35 years old. Like when he started, if you you know you want to put it that way, he's he's already pretty pretty old.
1: He's he was still playing on tour when he was younger, right? So that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to get across. Yes, there's probably a better system in terms of being able to like. Is there a, a level tour or a B level tour where we can teams can graduate and move up and move into those ranks? And I guess the point I'm trying to get across is that most people these days are just aren't willing to to sacrifice that amount of time and effort. They just look at the end goal and they see it as being so far away that they're not willing to take those those baby steps and take their lumps to, to kind of get through that part.
2: Let's talk about something else for a moment. You're going to Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. You, you've got to take an alternate player. Is Mark Kennedy probably going to be the guy or is that too early to tell?
1: <laughs> we, we haven't discussed it, Warren. Um, we will definitely be taking a player who can play um, <laughs> because of everything that's happened. Um, so there's no worries on that. We know that we can't have what happened this week happen again um obviously we're gonna discuss who is going to fit our team and who's who's available too because there's lots of guys who have taken quite a bit of time away from family uh, because of curling and Obviously, Mark's one of them as well. So, but we, we haven't, we haven't thrown out any names yet. Um, obviously, I'm not home. Uh, Brett and Jeff have gone, you know, kind of their separate ways. We're going to take a few days to ourselves to decompress and then we're going to kind of throw the names into the hat and, um, discuss each one and see who's going to be able to go. And obviously, they have to be available to go with us too.
2: So, looking at the field, you just played most of these guys over in Beijing, but there's there's a couple of changes. Certainly, Mawad and Aden are there, and those are probably going to be your two biggest concerns. But the U.S. is sending a different team, Corey Dropkin, and so with Switzerland, Schwaller is going to be there. So, how would you look at the whole competition in Vegas versus the uh, the Olympics?
1: Yeah, same field. We've played Schwaller a number of times uh, at the Slams. They're getting you know they're getting very good. I know they they give Peter fits in uh in switzerland they've beaten them a few times kind of in big events and stuff like that so they're a great up-and-coming team Corey and his team are very good as well um you know they were super close to making it to the olympics this year um so they're super talented i think it'll be very similar to the olympics um obviously the the pressure is a little bit different to world championships than than at the olympics so it'll feel different um but it'll be nice we'll be playing in front of fans again, which is what I think our, our team enjoys the most.
0: Mark, we appreciate you coming on. I've, I've got a, I'm really curious uh, about how a uh, world-class athlete like yourself uh, has to spend five days in a hotel room. What have you been doing for the last? <laughs> sit? I said I don't know. How much Netflix can a guy watch? How much room service can you take? How how have you been filling your days locked in your hotel room?
1: Jim, it has been the worst five <laughs> days of my life. Like isolation is bad enough, let alone missing out on playing in the Briar final. You know, I've been trying my best to humor my friends and family and they're doing a good job of supporting me through it, like checking in on me and stuff. Um, I'm sick of room service. Uh, I found a a new love for, um, my Twitter followers who are very funny, um, and can keep me entertained. Um, it's been a lot of social media for me, just distractions. You know, my dad always used to, you know, have, these magazines and i remember one of the uh, articles or one of the pieces in one of the magazines that he always had was laughter is the best medicine and i've kind of taken that to a whole new level this week because if i wasn't trying to make myself uh laugh i was crying because i wasn't curling and uh it was you know i, I used everyone i could as support to get through it you know but i, I, I hid behind a a mask of jokes and making fun of myself, uh, to try to, to try to get through it.
0: Uh, well, we get to support you now going to the, going to the worlds, uh, in Las Vegas. We can't wait, uh, Mark, you guys are, you know, obviously going to be a front runner. I wish I was going to be at the airport when you finally got there and you'd be like Braveheart going,
1: freedom, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Jim. I'm, good. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Thanks, Jim.
0: Yeah, no, no everyone will think you're crazy, but you, you, you're allowed that. Go, you can scream it when you get out of that hotel room. Uh, Mark, thanks. Thanks a lot, man, for joining us. Congratulations on an unbelievable career that you've had. And man, there's no slowing you down. So uh, good luck in Vegas. Thanks, Mark.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, Mark. Good luck. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Mark. Good luck in Vegas.
1: Thanks, Warren.
0: Okay, Martin, you're on. Uh, Time for uh, story time, which we love each and every week. It's brought to you by Meridian Manufacturing, your industrial and on-farm storage and handling partners, and the proud sponsor of Grand Slam of Curling. What story do you have for us this week?
3: Well, you know, this is the time of year when teams are going to world championships, so they travel all over, and jet lag is certainly a problem for athletes so i'm going to take us back to when dan petrick so it's kevin park dan petrick and dan and uh, donnie bartlett we were a team and we we're going over to switzerland to play two events back to back one in luzon and then one in Bern. now dan's a different dude and uh a, a great friend of mine and he uh he was going to outsmart jet lag he didn't think it was a real thing He knew exactly how he was gonna do it. So this is how it happened. So we get on a plane and we're flying to Toronto, Toronto to Zurich and then a fast train from Zurich to Luzon. And we have a big dinner that night. And I forget if it was the president of Switzerland or some big dog, I forget, it's a lot of years ago. So we get on the plane in Edmonton and Dan, he says, you know, I'm gonna take a couple of sleeping pills, have a beer and I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna sleep hard right from now all the way through till uh, tonight in Switzerland, about 20 some hours later. I'll sleep the whole time and then I'll get up and I'll be done with jet lag. Okay, good, Dan. Yeah, that that sounds reasonable anyway. (laughs) So takes two sleeping pills, has a beer, waits about an hour. doesn't feel nothing. So he takes two more sleeping pills, has a beer. Two more sleeping pills later, has a third beer, falls asleep. But six sleeping pills. I've never taken one in my life, but I imagine that's probably enough. So he we get to toronto we we have to basically drag him through the airport to get on the next plane because (laughs) he's comatose sleeps all the way from toronto through to zurich and we get there and we got a bunch of bags of course and then we got to get to the fast train so it's not easy we got to drag all the bags and then get on the train and well dan's dan's a wreck he can't carry anything so k park's got he's like a he's like a donkey he's got all the bags on his back carrying them to the we're kind of dragging dan still hasn't like he's a mess and this is many 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 hours by the time you fly to toronto wait for the next flight fly all the way to zurich so now we're on the train and we're going on the fast train to zurich this is we're going to arrive in the. Mid afternoon, into Lausanne, and get ready to have this dinner at the legislature or their, their government buildings, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But Dan's still asleep, so we get him dressed up. We got to wear suit, tie, and all that stuff to this supper. So we get Dan enough awake to get him dressed and and get him, and we have to walk up a hill about. Maybe three hundred yards to get to to where we're having dinner, and this is around six six thirty uh, local time in Luzon. So now we've been up for many 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 hours, but we decided we'd stay up until the end of the night. Dan had a different way of looking at this thing, anyway. So we're at we're at dinner, uh, and uh, Dan's falling asleep at the table. He cannot stay awake during this (laughs) beautiful dinner. I remember the chairs being these beautiful, big red chairs, and it was just fancy where we were, but Dan's asleep for it. Anyway, so we get done. It's a bit embarrassing, and we get done, and we drag Dan out of there. So he's still not, like he's still a mess, and now we're at 20 hours or 22 hours. So we get back to hotel, and everybody, everybody goes to bed. Dan's asleep, easy. So he's asleep. His eyes, bing! At about one in the morning his eyes bang open he's he's awake he's been sleeping for a day so now he gets up and he starts walking the streets of luzon in the in the middle of the night because there's nothing open in 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 europe in the middle of the night he's just walking the streets walking the streets till morning and then we have to practice well he practices in the morning but he's really tired and then by about one in the afternoon well he's done so he has to have a sleep so he has to sleep during the day The next night he's awake again. So we start the bond spiel. He's exactly turned backwards. He's exactly wide awake from about one in the morning till noon and then completely asleep from noon until about ten at night. So (laughs) funny. He he curled about 30% in the first event in Lausanne. (laughs) <laughs> and then finally, by the time we were just about done burn, he was coming around just in time to fly home. So, of course, we asked him, Dan, on the way home, you're going to take a couple of sleep pills to see if it'll fix you up on the way back to. Oh, man, what a funny story. Dan Patrick was going to beat jet lag. It wasn't a real thing. And it absolutely turned his world inside out for at least a week and a half in Switzerland.
0: Oh, that's funny. I fell asleep one time on a plane, Kevin, and I collapsed into the guy's dinner beside me. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I get Dan. I get him. Uh, Inside Curling is reaching out to curling clubs. If you want a Zoom call with us, we've done a few of these. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, email us, insidecurling at gmail.com. We'll set that up. Also, we want to thank uh, Rod Paulson and his company, In-House Strategies, uh, for doing everything on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Uh, join the conversation. It's always lively and uh, we get a lot of input. If we read your email, of course, you're going to get a uh, digital copy of Warren's book, Sticks and Stones, about how curling got into the Olympics. Uh, There we go, boys. Uh, That's a wrap on the show. Uh, Great stuff. And we're back each and every week with another edition of Inside Curling. Kevin, you're off to the. I'm losing track of what your travel schedule is Prince
2: George, Women's Worlds. Yeah. We'll
0: watch for you there. Excited. Warren, what are you doing?
2: Jim, I'm going to be here in Vancouver getting ready for the next show and helping you along the way.
0: Yeah. I need lots, okay. I'm hurt, Warren. I'm hurt by that. Take it. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Inside Curling.
3: Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks,
2: Jim.